Amen. Praise God. We are in the book of Matthew chapter 9. We're going to begin reading with verse 18 of this chapter. This is an incredible message that the Lord has laid on our hearts. It's the rest of the story is found in Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8. But we're in Matthew chapter 9, beginning with the 18th verse. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read down to verse 26. If you don't have a Bible with you, we always have God's Word lit up here at Ozark Full Gospel Church. Verse 18, chapter 9 of Matthew. While he spake these things unto them... Behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. And she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Let me back up to verse 20. I've, I've lost something here, and I want to grab this. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood, that made her unclean. She couldn't go to the temple. For 12 years, she was separated from people and considered to be unclean. She came behind Jesus, touched the hem of his garment, and she kept saying within herself, not just once or twice, but just kept saying within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will, I will be made whole. Jesus turned about. When he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Jesus came unto the ruler's house, he saw the minstrels and the people making noise. And he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed to him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in. In other words, he kicked them out. Jesus went in. I'm glad Jesus went in and kicked everything out that didn't need to be there. And took her by the hand and said unto the maid, Talikumai, it's in the other cha chapter of 8 of Luke and chapter 5 of Mark, damsel, maid, arise. And she arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. I want to use for a subject this morning when somebody met a nobody. When somebody met a nobody, maybe seated. Now, instantly you're thinking, okay, the somebody is Jesus. No, let's back up. Jairus, by name, according to Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5, he's given the name and he's also called a ruler of the synagogue. Jairus was a very prominent man. He had an incredible name, a title. He was ruler of the synagogue. He was a ruler of the synagogue in Capernaum. Jesus Christ was prior to this in Decapolis, a metroplex area of, of uh, 
the country of the Gadarenes. If you remember, Jesus Christ had went across the sea, and when he came after a powerful storm, tried to sink his boat. I mean, no, you're not going to sink Jesus' boat. And when the devil tried to sink his boat, he said, peace be still, and stopped the storm. And of course, they went to the other side, there, the country of the Gadarenes. There, a demon-possessed man. Luke said there were two men. But one was so possessed that he, he named, he called out his name, I'm Legion, meaning many. And Jesus, this man that was dwelling in the tombs, Jesus cast the demons out of that man, 2,000 or more, because 2,000 or more hogs committed hogicide, ran over a steep hill and drowned themselves in the sea. Well, okay, suicide. <laughs> they couldn't stand the devils. And I want you to know that you cannot stand the devils. Now, I've met some folks that I don't think the devils could stand them, but that's beside the point. I want you to see the picture here because you don't see all the picture just in Matthew chapter 9, but I want you to see the picture here. As you read Mark chapter 5, he's just left Decapolis. He's on a ship and he's going back to Capernaum. In Luke chapter 8, this man by the name of Jairus, which was a, looter, a ruler of the synagogue. What it meant was not necessarily a teacher, but he was the administrator of the scribes or the Pharisees that would gather in the synagogue. So he was a very well-known man. His name was Jairus. And as Jesus comes back across the sea to Capernaum on the shore of Galilee, the Bible says that there was a great crowd waiting for him. Let me read that to you. It's in Luke chapter 8, and it's found in verse 40. And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, that is, back to Capernaum, the people gladly received him. Don't miss this last phrase, for they were all waiting for him. The picture was a massive crowd was gathered at the seashore. And as Jesus, I don't even, he probably just barely got out of the boat. We're not talking two or three hundred, we're talking thousands of people were crowding in and pushing Jesus pretty much into the sea, all trying to touch Jesus, waiting for him. Isn't that just like our life? We're waiting for Jesus. Amen? I had that golden crowd the other day, and a man says, well, I said, I don't want to get in your way. He said, no. He said, I'm waiting on my wife. I said, men usually learn that pretty quick. Amen? But as a Christian, we learn to wait on Jesus. And I'm waiting on him to return any moment. Woo! I'm waiting, ready, and I wish there was a much larger crowd waiting on him to return. But there was such a massive crowd there at the shore waiting for Jesus, and they gladly received him. Well, the scripture, the story tells us that a man by the name of Jairus 
according to Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5, has a one daughter. She's 12 years old. It's his only daughter. He's very affectionate to her. She's probably a daddy's girl. And his daughter is sick. Now, I take it that she didn't come down with a sudden illness. I take it that she's had this illness for some time. And Jairus comes to beseech Jesus, please come. My daughter is on her last stages of life. She's about to die. And I need you to come and touch her and heal her. Now, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but you need to understand what is taking place here. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, hears about Jesus. Oh, he was full well, farewell, uh, very well knew that Jesus was controversial. And he very well knew that there might be people that would find fault with him coming. But let me tell you, when tragedy strikes home, when lightning strikes in your yard, when lightning strikes in your family, it doesn't matter what anybody says, you need God and you need to come to Jesus Christ. Nothing else will satisfy but the touch of Jesus Christ. Oh, you can play, you can play big shot. You can play, I'm tough. I don't need God. I don't need the church. I don't need the Bible. I don't need that preacher. Pre you can pretend to be tough, but you let lightning strike in your home. You let tragedy come and you're not gonna be so tough. You're gonna bend your knee to the, to the feet of Jesus Christ and you're gonna call out and it makes no difference your background, your name or who you are. You will crumble at the feet of Jesus Christ for he alone has the power to save, heal and deliver. So the crowd is massive. Jesus can't get anywhere. He's pressed into the sea. But Jairus hears the physicians say she's on her last breath. And Jairus grabs and runs as fast as he can because he heard there was a miracle worker down by the seashore. He runs as fast as he can go. He doesn't send a servant. He goes himself and comes running in. And I could just hear the crowd as they seen Jairus coming. They begin to say, Step aside, Jairus is coming. Make room, Jairus is coming. See, this was a somebody coming through the crowd. This was the ruler of the synagogue. This was somebody that had a name and a title. Everybody knew Jairus. And as he began to go through the crowd, the crowd began to part. Make room, Jairus is coming. Make room, he's coming. And Jairus comes down to the crowd. And when he faces Jesus Christ, he crumbles at the feet of the majestic potentate of the universe and he cries my Lord please my daughter is at her last breath she's about to die I need you to come touch her and heal her and Jesus says let's go and so Jesus starts moving toward the crowd and the crowd says, wow, this is our chance. The disciples are trying their best to protect Jesus, but yet this is the crowd reaching in. Now, Jairus is a somebody. He's a ruler of the synagogue. 
And while they're making their way, Jairus is bated breath. Oh, let's get there. My daughter's just about dead. About her last breath. And he's hysterical to see his daughter healed. And lo and behold, someone in the crowd reached up and touched the clothes of Jesus. A nobody. It doesn't even give her name. She's unclean. But a woman having an issue of blood for 12 years, the Levitical law said she was unclean. She couldn't go to the sanctuary. She couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't go to the synagogue. She was unclean 12 years. She suffered many things of physicians. Anybody ever been to a doctor and suffered many things of physicians? It's a double torture. They get a hold of you and then they send you a bill for torturing you. That's the double torture. Well, this woman was triple tortured. She, she spent everything she had. Not only was she unnamed and unclean, but she was broke. And she had no hope. But she slips in the crowd and she reaches up, probably crawling between the legs of the masses of crowds. And she kept saying within herself, she kept saying in her heart, if I can just touch him, if I can just touch Jesus, I'll be made whole. Twelve years I bled and, and bloodletting out of my bowels. Twelve years I bled out of, out of my organs. Twelve years and my blood won't stop. I'm unclean. For twelve years I'm, I'm wasted away. She's, she, she's, she's thin. She, she's lost all, all, her, all her fatty tissues, nothing but skin over her bones. And she's weak and she's, she's breathless and she crawls to the crowd and she reaches up and in her heart she says, Jesus is my answer. In her heart that Jesus is the miracle worker. In her heart, she said, Jesus can do anything. In her heart, she said, Jesus loves me. This I know. I know Jesus will touch me. If I'll touch him, I know everything will be all right. I can just touch the miracle worker. If I can just touch Jesus, the Nazarene. And she came through the crowd. And she reached up and brushed her fingers against the garments of Jesus. Boom! The power of God hit her. And it was probably a thousand sensations began to pulsate through her body. She could feel her heart throb and the blood building up, and she was instantly healed. And she knew it. She's hiding because she's unclean. She's hiding because she's a nobody. She's hiding. She stole the healing. How many know you can't steal a healing? If God wants to give it to you, he'll give it to you. If you can't, you can't steal it. You can't earn it. But she feels so unworthy, so she hides. And Jesus stops and says, Who touched me? Who in this crowd touched me? And the disciples said, Everybody is touching you. Duh. Everybody's touching you. And Jesus Christ said in Luke chapter 8, verse 46, and Jesus said, somebody 
has touched me. For I perceive that the virtue is gone out of me. Jesus Christ said, no, 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 no. She's not a no-name person. She's not a nobody. She's a somebody. Somebody touched the hem of my garment. Somebody pulled the strength of God out of me. Somebody took the life of God into their life. Somebody took a hold of my, 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 my virtue. Somebody took a hold of my love. Somebody took a hold of my power. Somebody touched me. Somebody touched me. Now, Jairus is watching all this. And Jairus is thinking, now, wait a minute. He stopped for a nobody. I'm, I'm a ruler of the synagogue. I have a name. My name is Jairus. And not only do I have a name, I've got another name, a title. I'm a ruler of the synagogue. And I'm clean. And this woman don't even have a name. This woman does not have a title. And this woman is unclean. She is a nobody. Why did Jesus stop in the crowd? To show Jairus that he was not just some, that he was not the only somebody. That with Jesus, everybody's a somebody. With Jesus, everybody's a somebody. And I can see Jairus thinking, why did you stop? I said, Jairus, why did you stop for this woman? Why did you stop? She don't have a name. She's unnamed. She's unclean. Uh, I'm clean. I've got a name. I've got a title. Why did you stop for her? And I'll tell you why he stopped for her. God is love. God cares for the world. There is no such thing as a nobody in God's eyes. And Jairus needed to learn that. He needed to learn that though the crowds parted for him to get to Jesus, what he thought was a nobody crowded through and weaved through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. I can imagine Jairus thinking, why would you do this? My daughter's about dead. Why would you do this? My daughter is on her last breath. Why would you do this? Why did you stop? Well, first of all, Jesus stopped because he loved this woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years. Jesus loves to heal. And there's no such thing as an unnamed nobody in God's eyes. In fact, there's no such thing as a somebody in God's eyes. The only somebody is Jesus Christ. Amen? You know what the upper crust is? That's where a few crumbs get together on top. You know what the experts are? That's where a little squirt gets together uh, away from home, and they call him an expert. And this woman touches Jesus, and the blood flow stops. The healing comes. And Jesus says, and Jairus said, oh, come on. I don't think Jesus, I don't think Jairus said it out loud, but I think Jairus said, come on, come on, come on. My daughter's about to die. Come on. And Jesus said, hold it. I want to know who touched me. Jairus is probably thinking, who cares? My daughter's about to die. Jesus said, I want to know. And the Bible says the woman that had the issue of blood could not hide. She knew she was seen. Jesus stared right through her. Jesus knew who she was, and when she could not hide, and she knew she could not hide, she stood up, 
And this is what Jesus said in the middle of Jairus wanting Jesus to go heal his daughter. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Hurry up. Jesus says, let's have a testimony meeting. What? You're going to have a testimony meeting when my daughter is about to draw her last breath? Yep. Because Jairus, you need to hear this testimony. Jairus, you need to know that there's no, there is no such thing as a nobody with me. Jairus, you need to know that there's no such thing as a somebody with me. Everybody's equal ground. Everybody is a somebody in the, in the area of God's care. And Jesus Christ is telling Jairus, look, this woman unnamed, this woman unclean, I want you to know that I care about her. Now testify. Well, she was someone that just got healed. She hid. She didn't want to be known. But once she was exposed, I guarantee you her mouth ran like water. I guarantee you she talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And talked some more and talked some more. And Jairus is standing there saying, would you please, woman? My daughter's about dead. And maybe the Lord spoke to Jairus' heart, or maybe the Lord whispered in his ear, listen to her. Listen to her. See, Jairus is going to need a boost of faith when he gets home because his daughter's dead. Jairus is going to need this testimony. He's going to need what this woman received. He's going to need what happened in this woman. He's going to need her testimony because this woman is going to build the faith of Jairus because Jairus listens to an unnamed woman in whom he considered a nobody, an unclean woman, yet God was so good to heal her. Why wouldn't he heal my daughter? not on the merit of Jairus' ability or his title, because now he sees Jesus doesn't heal on the merit of name or ability or, or talents or wealth or prestige. Jesus heals on the virtue of his love, his compassion, his grace. Jesus heals, and it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're rich or poor, young or old. It doesn't matter whether you're high intellectual or low of education. It doesn't matter who you are. God loves you and everyone in this room. You are somebody in the eyes of God and he loves you. And so Jairus, I don't even know why I made notes. Jairus gets almost there and someone comes out from Jairus' house and says, trouble not the master. Your daughter is dead. Now, here's when the woman with an issue of blood's testimony kicks in. He needs this. He had just saw a miraculous healing. He had just saw a cleansing. He had just saw a move of God on someone that, that was he considered to be nobody. He just saw that with Jesus, there are no nobodies. With Jesus, there's no such thing as a nobody. And I want to stop right here and tell you that when, 
when Jairus heard the word, your daughter's dead, Jesus immediately kicked in and said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Be a good cheer. Hold on, hold on. Don't fear. Don't, don't, don't get shook up. I've got this. I've got this, Jairus. It'll be okay. Just believe. Just trust me. Yeah, but she's dead. God's not the God of the dead, but the living. Wherever God shows up, he makes people alive. And so Jesus makes his way into the house. Jairus' wife, the mother of the little girl, damsel Telekumai, she comes, the mother, and she falls on Jairus' shoulder and she sobs uncontrollably. And she takes, he takes his wife and wipes the tears away. And he says to his wife, look here. Look here, I, look who I brought. I brought the Messiah. I brought Jesus. Yeah, but my daughter's dead. No, no, he said, it'll be okay. He said, not to fear. He said, it'll be okay. He said to his wife, it's going to be okay. And Jesus said, Where, where's she at? And he said, well, she's upstairs. She's laying in a bed. He said, let me go see her. And they lead Jesus to the bedside of this, 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 this little girl. And as he's going up to the place where the bed is, where the little girl is dead, they're crying and wailing and travailing. They're blowing their little flutes and monotone songs, and they're making noise. They paid criers in that day. Funerals in that day were different than today. Funerals today are, we're so glad you came to be with us. God bless you. The funerals in that day were, oh, she's dead. She's dead. The music screaming. They're paying people to yell and scream and travail and wow. They still do that in other countries. And Jesus, as he's making the way to the bed, he says, why are you making all this noise? The damsel, the little girl's not dead. She's just asleep. And they laughed him to scorn. And Jesus kicked him out. He kicked him out. He let Peter, James, and John go in. The rest of the disciples had to stay out and do traffic control. If the Lord puts you in traffic control, that might be telling you something. But anyway, James and John, Peter goes in with Jairus and his wife. Now, you remember what Jesus Christ said to him as he began to make his way and they began to do travailing. And, and, and let me share this. I, I have my last note. I'll give it to you, my last little piece of note. When the worst happens, give place to God. When the worst happens, give place to God. And that's what Jesus Christ said. When they said she's dead and they're travailing, they're crying, she's dead. Jesus Christ said, she sleeps. Give place to God. And I want you to know when your worst nightmare hits your home, give place to God. When tragedy strikes, give place to God. When you're going through a reversal in your life and you're hurting and you're, 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 you're in agony, give place to God. 
And they gave place to God. And Jesus went in and took the little girl by the hand and said, Talikuma, arise, little maid. And the little girl sat up straight. And she probably said, Daddy, Mama. And Jesus said, feed her. It's amazing. The people he raised from the dead, he always said, feed them. That's a biblical principle, by the way. When someone gets saved, God always wants us to feed them. Feed them the word. Feed them the blessing of God. As a sin, seal, milk of the word. Feed the babes in Christ. Feed them. Feed them. And he said, for this little girl, give her meat, strong meat. Feed her meat. Give her protein. And so I want to say to everybody in this room, you are a somebody. And if you're unclean, you're still a somebody. If you're unnamed, you're still a somebody. No matter what the preacher says, no matter what the church looks like, no matter the stained glass in the church, no matter the big cathedrals in the church, no matter the high-sounding brass and the, and the great bands and the great orchestras playing and the music in the church, no matter the size of the church, no matter the size of the preacher, no matter the, the degrees of the preacher, no matter the intellect, no matter the education, no matter the wealth of the church, I want you to know that you are vastly important to the house of God. And more than that, you're important. You are somebody in the eyes of Jesus Christ. Amen. When I looked at this crowd, we got a good crowd this morning. They all came in at the last minute, but we, we're glad you came in. We, we're glad we got minute men and minute women. Amen. And they all gathered in the back of the church. A lot of them coming in. The stern is full. The stern of the ship is full. I like that. That's a beautiful sign. People come into the house of God. I want everybody to know that we are somebody. Not because we're intellectually sound. Not because we are rich. Not because we have position. Not because of how we dress or how we act. We are somebody not because of our abilities or our talents. We are somebody because God looks at us and says, there's one of mine that I created, that I made. You're my child, and that makes you somebody. And it makes no difference if you're drunken under your own breath and vomiting in your own vomit and drunkenness. God looks at that drunkard and says, that is somebody. That is somebody's child. That is somebody's uh, uh, brother. Or, uh, that is some, some sister's brother. That is God's masterpiece. And liquor cannot destroy the love of God. Drugs cannot destroy the love of God. Adultery cannot destroy the love of God. Sickness and disease cannot destroy the love of God. All the sins in the whole universe cannot wipe the slate of God's love and his grace. He loves you. He cares for you. You, and you are somebody. Jairus needed to know that. Somebody met nobody. And then somebody discovered that he was somebody, but so was the other woman. She was a somebody. 
That little girl got raised from the dead. And all them people getting paid to wail at the funeral got fired, sent home. Lost your job, you're fired. I can just see Peter coming down the stairs. You're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Go! And just hear Peter imitating Jesus. Go! Go, go, go! And sing no more. You're sorry music. I've felt that way on occasions. But anyway, go. And love the Lord. The woman's, the, the little girl's alive. You see, the little girl was 12 years old. She got struck with a horrific disease. She died, I think, indicate the scripture kind of slowly, and she was on her last breath. And just as the 12-year-old had a long, lengthy sickness, according to she's on her last breath, the woman with the issue of blood was also 12 years the same age as a little girl for 12 years and she suffered and Jesus come and he healed I'm sure glad the gospel isn't just for a few it's for the masses I'm sure glad the good news isn't for just a few the good news is for the world I'm so glad that Jesus didn't, I'm glad that God didn't choose some to go to hell and some to go to heaven. God chose everyone to be loved, nurtured by Jesus Christ, and he chose everyone to be saved, but it's up to that person individually to decide. Amen. Amen. Someone said, God won't make you do anything, and I agree with that, but he can make you wish you had. I've been there where he made me wish I had. I said to God one time under great heaviness, why are you picking on me? And he said, why not? I said, what kind of answer is that? He said, I'm God. I can answer you any way I want to. Amen? A few years ago, the the Powerball got up pretty high. I think it was recently too, but it got up real high back a couple of years ago, got up pretty high. And it's not my nature to buy tickets, but I bought one. And after I bought it, I'm thinking, what have I done? Lord, I don't want to win this. So I spent the rest of the week, God, please don't let me win. I don't want to win. That's like the preacher going down to the lake fishing on Sunday morning. Please don't let anyone see me catch these fish. The angel says, God says, the angel says to God, why are you letting that preacher catch all them fish? He said, can't tell anybody. Amen? So I, I, was, I was shook. I was devastated. Please don't let me win. 
He answered my prayer. <laughs> but I'm still a somebody with empty pockets. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I hit the jackpot long ago when I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. There's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. But there is in my father's house are many mansions. Streets of gold, pure gold. Amen? Hallelujah. So you'll be rich then. No, I'm rich now. I don't need to, I don't need to die and go anywhere. I'm rich now. Did you hear that, Lord? I don't need to die and go anywhere right now. I'm rich now. No need speeding this thing up. Right? So, well, I don't think you ought to pray the Lord would, would give you long life and longevity. Really? What are you going to the doctor for? Amen. I shouldn't say this, but J.R. is 86 years old today. He's in good health. Pretty good shape for an old man. Doing all right. I think this whole church is, I think half our church was born in August. A lot of birthdays in August. I was stuck down there in Cold Street Avenue in December. But I want to ask you a question. And that question is this. Do you consider yourself a nobody? Well, if you do, Jesus Christ wants to present you to somebody. Because sin will make you a nobody. But Jesus wants to introduce you to a somebody. And when you go home, you'll look in the mirror and say, right there is a somebody. Jesus saves. And Jesus forgives. How many like this story? Isn't it beautiful? The lady came in and interrupted her. Yeah. Strange place for a testimony meeting. But Jairus needed it. He needed that extra faith, that extra booth, boost to worship the Lord and to believe that his daughter would live. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand with me. Josh, come and bring us on. I always ask you, are you glad you come? I'm going to quit that one of these days. I get the wrong answer. <laughs> but I'm looking at a lot of somebody's in this room you struggle with liquor that don't make you a nobody sin make you a nobody it'll make you feel like a nobody but drunkenness don't make you a nobody drug addiction doesn't make you a nobody sin uncontrolled lust and, and wickedness doesn't make you a nobody divorce doesn't make you a nobody backsliding doesn't make you a nobody 
you are still a somebody in the eyes of God. And he still loves you. He wants to forgive you. And if you're feeling that nobody's mode, it's because sin makes you feel like a nobody. But Jesus makes you feel like a somebody. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. No name. The woman's not even named. Unclean. But yet she was a somebody. Somebody touched me. How would you like to do that today? How would you like to touch Jesus? You can do that today as you come forward. You can say, I'm coming to touch Jesus. Because I want to feel that somebody in me. Would you come?